Welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. We are your hosts of the Meaning Academy podcast, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. In this podcast, we explore the insights and inspiration of Dr. Victor Frankel and all things meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thanks for joining us. And now let's begin our search for meaning. Hello and welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy podcast. I am part of your team of hosts, adjunct of the Meaning Academy, Dr. Daniel A. Franz, with my good friend, colleague, partner, and uh, uh, the other third of the VFMA, Dr. Baruch B. Halevi. B, how you been, man? I know this is, uh, you know, let's, let's get right to it for the audience. This has been a rough week in the world, and I know for you and in your culture, and you know, I don't know, should I say your people? Um, I'm gonna play the average American uh, ignorant. Um, you know, it's been an ugly time in, in the world. Yeah, hey brother, it's good to be on this call with you. I always look forward to it. And yeah, it's been a rough week. Um, <clears throat> I think we could record last week, right after we recorded, as you and everybody else now listening knows, um, it just was about to begin. What is um, the greatest atrocity to happen to the Jewish people since the Holocaust? Mm -hmm. Hamas uh, wreaked havoc upon the state of Israel, the Jewish people, and it has been a rough, rough week. So as you know, I'm, I'm American and I'm Israeli. I have dual citizenship. Um, I made Aliyah, which means I took upon myself the opportunity afforded to all Jews around the world to become an Israeli citizen. Israel is the only country in the world that guarantees citizenship to people born outside of the country. If you are 25% Jewish, you are guaranteed the right to becoming an Israeli citizen. And I took them up on that offer years ago and my family and I moved there. Um, we have since moved back to the States, but we have two hearts. One is in Israel and one is in America. And um, both of them were shattered last week. Absolutely. Um, sad, sad day. Uh, remind me, B, I know we've talked about this before, but just for my frame of reference timeline, uh, how long were you there? When did you come back? Um, we, so I've lived there three different times. I lived there for a couple of years in my 20s. Then I became uh, decided to become a rabbi, and so I came back to the States to go to rabbinical school, met my wife. We moved back, um, and we're grappling with staying there, and this was, you know, when we were about 30, so a few years later, um, and then we decided to come back to the States and start our, my career, and then in 2014, I was in Israel during one of the other operations, Operation Protective Edge, when Israel was bombarded yet again out of Gaza. And I was visiting Israel on a solidarity mission. And I just had so much awakened within me during that incursion. I was down near the Gaza Strip um, visiting people who were being terrorized and missiles were falling. And I was talking to a woman, a Jewish woman, who was living in um, a town called Sderot, which is a border town, which has been really devastated this past week, and asking her, why doesn't she go 
leave her home? Why does she stay near Gaza, right? And even though it's, it's Israel proper, there's no it's not disputed territory down there, but you have like 10 seconds to get to the bomb shelter. Whereas up in Tel Aviv, you have 45 seconds. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's hard to live your life when you only have 10 seconds to get to a bomb shelter and you gotta be uh, orienting your life around that. And she said, because this is my home and I will not be driven from my home by terrorists. And I called Ariella on the phone and said, what do you think? Now's the time to make Aliyah, to move to Israel. And she said, let's do it. So we went back. I gave notice to my beloved congregation. And I, um, uh, we began the process. And so by 2015, we were living in the north of Israel, about 30 miles from Lebanon, where we stayed for three or four years until 2019, I think it was. And we came back to the States. Wow. Um, I, I knew you had been there. I did not realize your experience was quite that extensive. So hearing you say you're of two hearts, I mean, certainly, yeah, that, that says a lot. What, what does this mean for you? You know, in some ways, it just means that the world now gets a glimpse of what I've been raised upon. It's sort of my mother's milk um, that there's no rational reason, but that the world hates Jews. The world, you know, this is like, there's only one country on planet earth, Dan, that um, has people have vowed to exterminate. There, there isn't another country. There's only one, like it's, it's beyond reason. I don't think your average American, your average human being understands. This is not new. Like the Jewish people at every turn have been dealing with this. What's what's new is that it's so in the year 2023, it's just so barbaric. But this barbarism has been going on for so long. People think it's gone. Israelis, Israelis have been living with this reality for so long that, you know, Iran has a stated mission of annihilating the Jewish homeland. Hamas in their charter, it says we want to exterminate the Jewish homeland and exterminate Jews. And it's hard for people to wrap their head around that, even when they, even Jews, even when they studied the Holocaust, it was back then. Mm -hmm. So for people to see it now, there's a cognitive dissonance. Your average decent human being, I've talked to so many people who said, I can't understand it. And I say to them, good. Because if you could understand it, it would make sense to you. And it, evil can't make sense. And I think that that's what it means right now is that the world gets, unfortunately, to see what the Israelis and the Jewish people have perennially been living with. And it's really hard to process. I know in a, in a blog post you put on the defiantspirit.org earlier this week, you, you shared a video um, of some of the atrocities and horror going on. And, and, it, and it, it truly was something out of a, I mean, the, it was incredibly, it was just devastating to watch. But to your point, I don't think the average U.S. citizen gets it because we are so far removed. We're, we're far removed from September 11th of 2001. And we are even farther removed from the atrocities of the Holocaust and the videos and, and, and the, the filming that took place back then, unless, of course, you know, you've read Man's Search for Meaning. And even in that, I mean, Dr. Frankel's chronicle is is absolutely horrifying, the dehumanizing nature of what he went through. And yet it continues. 
Yeah. Um, you know, so in, some ways, in some ways, this is worse than the Holocaust because not in scope, but in intent, because at least the Nazis had the good sense to try and cover up their genocide when they knew the war was over. They were scrambling to get rid of evidence. They didn't want to be seen. And which, which, you know, I would, I'm not going to argue on behalf of the Nazis, but it does kind of hearken to some degree of humanity that they're still intact with their conscience. And this is the first time where we not only had those same atrocities, but all the footage, most of the footage we have is from coming from Hamas. Like they videotaped this to show the world this evil. Like that is a whole new level of, it's it's not a whole new level because ISIS has done this too, but ISIS and Hamas are essentially the same thing. And just for your average Westerner, your average American, your decent human being, we can't even process what it means to kill a human being, to kill a child, to videotape it. I mean, the things that are coming out of um, Israel are, are literally beyond belief. Yeah. The, 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 the barbarism, the, the, the evil, the human evil. And I guess my, one of my struggles right now, Dan, is um, I've spent the past week defending Israel in a way that I wouldn't imagine I would have to. People want to get into the politics, the yes, but, right? Yes, but didn't they have it coming? Or, I mean, there's been rallies in New York and in Chicago and in Denver and in Sydney. I was watching the Sydney rallies. They And they go real quickly from pro-Palestinian to pro-Hamas, and we can talk about that, and then from pro-Hamas to anti-Israel, and then from anti-Israel to anti-Jew, which is why in Sydney they're yelling, gas the Jews, gas the Jews. How did we go from we support Palestinians to gas the Jews? Because this really isn't about being pro-Palestinian. It is really about extermination of Jews. I'd like to talk about in a second my feelings about the poor Palestinians caught in harm's way. But that's not the conversation that we should have been having this week. We should have been having unequivocally, this is wrong, this is evil, never again. And that's not the conversation I've been having. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not the conversation coming out of any place of power either. Um, you know, you make a really good point. Um, for many people in, uh, who experienced World War II, um, the Germans, the Austrians that lived near concentration camps, many of them claim, and some, some might be right, that they didn't even know what was going on. And surely we didn't often know the scope of what was going on until you know we, we began liberating concentration camps. And, and then we started to understand a little bit more. Then footage started coming out. And, and your other point that even, even the Nazis recognized, well, we better cover this up because it was wrong, right? We need to hide this because it was wrong. And we're going to get in big trouble for this, right? The, the Nuremberg trials, et cetera. What we see today is vastly different. The, the, the enemy of Israel, the enemy of the Jewish people, Hamas, is, is videotaping the slaughter and the barbarism of families and children and babies, the audacity, right? Why, why do you think, why do you think this is acceptable in the times we live in? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's not that they're doing what they do because I, you know, I, the one thing you, can, you, you can't say about Hamas is they're not liars. 
They, they've always said this. Like that doesn't surprise me. Even the evil doesn't surprise me. I mean, I'm a jaded Jew who, you know, I have numbers on my arm of Holocaust victims. So I'm well aware of what, you know, is capable. What what I'm I'm blown away at is BLM. So BLM posts, you know, and this is a, one example of many. BLM posts a we stand with Palestine. For the record, there is no Palestine. There's the Palestinian people. But we stand with Palestine. And it was a picture of a hang glider. Um, and if anybody's listening doesn't, you know, hasn't heard, that's how people were butchered, is hang gliders coming in to a music festival for the first time. And it's actually not the first time, but it's the first time at this level where they came in and they mowed down innocent human beings using those hang gliders. Then BLM turns around and posts, we're not only pro-Palestinian, but only thing you can take away from that endorsement is we we are pro-Hamas and we stand with this atrocity. And I'm just sitting here scratching my head going, how did we get here? And yeah, I, I agree. How did we get here? An organization that was meant to benefit the rights of, of minority people claiming to support somebody's that level of violence and extermination. And by the way, if you haven't seen the video of those hang gliders coming in, it's horrifying. It is terrifying that you know human beings look overhead and see the sky filled with well in, for those of you that don't know i mean these were basically warships because um those were the only things that could break what is it called the iron dome the defense system of of israel and they figured out a way to do it and i couldn't imagine being like as a person looking above my house and seeing this happening again in our times today this this shouldn't exist yeah you know, and it was it was a um, it was the holiday of Simchat Torah, the day of celebration, um, the the hap supposedly the happiest day of the year, and you had all these, nine you know these teenage twenty somethings at a rave for peace. It was a peace dance, and you know they're all probably drunk and high and and having fun, and they look up and you know they probably had no context for this. Maybe they just thought it was like, you know, people coming to join them on hang gliders. Who knew? They had no context for these are terrorists coming to rape and chop off their heads. And so BLM turns around and posts this or Rashida Talib, the congresswoman from where is she based? Which, um, she's one of the squad. I forget which squad member she is. She's a congresswoman and women's uh, reporters chasing her around saying, you know, and she's Palestinian, but she's a congresswoman. And I don't know if you saw this video, the reporter saying, can you just denounce cutting off babies' heads and murder of innocents? And she wouldn't comment. Like, this is on, you just YouTube it. This is one of your congresswomen. And all she said is just, can you just denounce the, the murder of babies? And this woman just walked away. Like, how did we get there? Well, I, I understand said, the complexity, but how did we get there? Help me understand, help the audience understand. You say there is no Palestine, but there's Palestinian people. Let's talk a little bit about that um, for those sure. that maybe don't remember their history. Um, look, Israel has offered those who represent Gaza and the West Bank on five separate occasions statehood. And five separate times their leadership has rejected them. There are multiple um, examples of this, but in 2000, Ehud Barak offered 95% of what they were asking for. 
and Yasser Arafat shot it down, as they always shoot it down because they don't want 95% negotiation. And in a negotiation, right, that's a that's well, beyond a, a reasonable, right? Yeah. 95%. This was brokered by Bill Clinton back, I think it was 1990. And um, every time they walk away from statehood, they respond with war every single time. And so there has never been a Palestinian state because they have rejected it. Hamas has never been interested in statehood. It says in their charter, it's not that Israel is in the West Bank or the Gaza Strip is the problem. It's that Israel exists as the problem. So in 2004, Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip. One last attempt to make peace. There are no Jews in the Gaza Strip. It is the only place on planet Earth that is, as the Nazis would say, Judenrein, Jew-free. A Jew can live in Iran, but they cannot live in Gaza because the Israeli government won't let them because that was part of the deal on a pathway to statehood for the Palestinians. Land for peace. We give you land, you give us peace. Well, we gave them land. And Hamas then became the represented elective officials, um, basically because they killed off the Palestinian Authority, um, the previous administration, and they turned the Gaza Strip into a launching pad. So since 2004, they have gotten what they wanted, but in return, they have only given terror and reciprocity. And so there is no Palestinian state because they keep rejecting it and they keep turning to terror. And the world says occupation, occupation of what? We're not in Gaza. There are no, we're not occupying Gaza. People will turn around and say, but you're blockading Gaza. But the reason why they have to blockade Gaza is because every time we send humanitarian aid into Gaza, it gets turned into weapons. The cement gets turned into terror tunnels. The pipes get turned into literal missiles. So what do you do when you have a people who have a, charter with your annihilation written on it, who take the resources you give them and turn them into weapons, and who have gone from land to peace to land to war, what is an Israeli supposed to do? Well, and let me ask you this. What is the rest of the world supposed to do? Why, More pointedly right now, why do you think the the negative reaction, the, the, the hatred towards the Jewish people from all these kind of uh, protests Pop quiz. You, you shouldn't be expected to know this, so don't feel stupid if you don't, because nobody does. How many um, Arab countries are are there in the world? I, off the top of my head, I have no clue. Twenty. Half dozen. Twenty. Okay. Twenty. How many Muslim countries? Not because Arab, Arab and Muslim aren't identical; they're overlap. But how many Muslim countries? A dozen. Thirty-nine, I mm. think. Okay. How many Jewish countries? One. One. Nobody disputes the Arab countries. Nobody disputes the Muslim countries. There's one Jewish country. How many? How many Muslims are there? I think a billion. How many Jews? Do you know how many Jews there are in the world? No. Yes. There are 15 million Jews. There are nine million Israelis. There, there are 10 million Israelis. Nine million Israeli Jews. So we're talking about nine million Jews. We're talking about one Jewish homeland. It's the size of New Jersey. It's eight hours from top to bottom. Um, it's 45 minutes the width. And 
they are 1948 it was formed 1948 pakistan was formed there is no historical pakistan there's a historical israel nobody questions pakistan's right to exist so i say all of these things because it's absurd you want to annihilate everything i've just said now you want to annihilate that one jewish state that by the way was formed in 1948 for one purpose because for the past few years prior to that we had the holocaust and there was nowhere to go nobody would take the jews america wouldn't take the jews canada wouldn't take the jews there was nowhere to run our good doctor lost his entire family because there was no israel if there was an israel they would have had a safe haven so that is all context for your question it makes it even more pronounced why in the hell does the world oppose the one jewish homeland as a protective measure against another holocaust i have no effing clue my friend i have no, no clue irrational it's irrational it's irrational it's hatred it's pure hatred there's no other explanation it's not colonialism you know right now this past week i've heard the Jews are colonialists, colonialists. Half of the Jews in Israel right now come from Arab lands. They were expelled. Mm -hmm. Over half of the Israeli population are brown, not white. The other half are marginally European, never accepted in any of the European countries, and ended up returning to Israel. There's always been Jews in Israel for the past 2,000 years. Um, there's never been another state occupying Israel. There's never been another official state. The Turks have been there. The Romans have been there. Um, the Egyptians have been there. The Jordanians have been there. There's never been a state. We didn't displace a state. We didn't take away anybody's statehood. Palestinians, by and large, are Jordanians and Egyptians. There's no such thing as a Palestinian people. They are Jordanians and Egyptians who have been there for a long time. I'm not suggesting they don't have a right to live there. But every single fact right, is points towards the Jewish people being in that place. And yet everything in the world says, get the hell out or we'll annihilate you. And we saw last week the manifestation of that. So if we look at the history of, of our field of logotherapy, the psychology of meaning, I was just studying again yesterday how we went from uh, uh, Austrian Victorianism of Freud through World War One to Adler and then Frankel um, uh, being born into the aftermath of World War One and then you know it's starting his career during World War Two and I think his work and his experience certainly uh, his work and his experience as a professional as a as a psychiatrist but then his his life as a Jew also bears on this today be it it almost sounds trite to ask this question but i mean for goodness sake where do we find meaning in all this if this is what dr frankel taught us through his trials at the concentration camps of world war ii what can we pull from this horrifying experience so one of the reasons why i love victor frankel is because of his ability to um well as he said it transformed tragedy into triumph Mm -hmm. right and that is the message 
That's not Viktor Frankl's message. Viktor Frankl comes from the soil of the Jewish people. And he, and he and his logotherapy was born out of an extreme context of hatred towards him and his people. And yet he never hardened his heart. He, you know, he is the one who said there are only two races, the decent and the indecent. Mm-hmm. He did not write off all Germans as uh, evil. He wrote off people who perpetuated evil as evil. That is a Jewish message. I don't know any Jews who look at Palestinians and wish them dead or wish them harm. You will never see a Jew or an Israeli celebrating the suffering of an innocent civilian in the Gaza Strip right now. That's a Frankel message. That's a Jewish message. We want You know, one of the things that Hamas is known for saying is that they say they will win. Why? Because they love death like the Jewish people love life. Hmm. The Jewish people and Viktor Frankl have built an entire philosophy around life. And that's Viktor Frankl's message. Out of all of that darkness and that death, there's still light and there's still life. And what he did was he translated that into our system of therapy, which is not just therapy, it's living. Logotherapy is a life-oriented way of living. In the face of darkness, in the face of death, when everything points to you going down into the depths of darkness and you have every right to go there, don't. Right? Don't. Keep focusing on light and life and love and the good stuff. And that's Frankel did. And that's what the Jewish people do. That's what the Israelis are doing right now. They're rebuilding. They're getting back to peace. They're trying to help the people of of the Palestinians. You know, a lot of people think this is the IDF in Israel persecuting Palestinians. On the contrary, it breaks my heart as a Jew and an Israeli to see what's happening to innocent civilians. They're going in to eradicate Hamas. Hamas hates the Palestinian people. That is why they put their missiles underneath their buildings. That's why they, they the headquarters of Hamas is underneath a hospital. Their launching pads are from schools. They have told their people not to get out of harm's way. The Israelis are trying to extract them to the south, and Hamas is trying to keep civilians in the north because they're using them as human shields. And so the Israelis care so deeply about the Palestinian people. We can't sit around and watch Hamas destroy any human life. But this is this is Frankel's message too, right? Value human life. It's a long mess. That's a long answer. Well, the question was, how do we find meaning? Um, I think also you and I have talked this week uh, about building resilience from this as well, or, or even for the, the casual uh, U.S. citizen who may not know, go on who, the, you know, those of us who, quote, don't do politics, um, as I wrote in several of my social media posts today, maybe it's time to pay, start paying t- attention a little bit. You know, there's a balance between feeding yourself the garbage that's on the media every day compared to being informed about the atrocities that are occurring in our world. Um, so that's just maybe a, a call to, to you to, to, you know, maybe pay attention. And what, what, what can the average person do about this be? So, you know, like I want to distinguish between doing politics and doing facts. And one of the things that I'm having a very hard time with with people right now is 
their lack of, of just factual knowledge. I don't need to convince you of anything. I don't, I don't sit around talking politics because that's when we're in the realm of opinion. Mm -hmm. We're in the realm of swaying each other to get power to different sides. I just care about people being honest and having facts. And when I talk to so many people about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, they are so ignorant for a thousand reasons. I don't really care how we got here, but we, we got here to the fact where like, for instance, I was, I was in a debate. I've been in debates all week long. And somebody says to me, this is because Israel occupies the Gaza Strip. And as I already just shared with our audience, Israel hasn't occupied the Gaza Strip since 2004. Well, yes, but they, well, yes, but what? You can't argue with me if you don't have the facts. And if you have the facts, more often than not, you won't argue with me. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. Because when I see people right now having pro-Hamas rallies, they don't know what they're rallying for. If what you mean by that is, is you're rallying around innocent civilian Palestinians, that's not Hamas. If you're having a pro-Hamas rally, you're, you're rallying for evil. Is that what you intended? I don't think it is, but that's ignorant. Well, and, and I, as we talked this week, I think there's a contrarian nature to our culture and society that being contrary to fact um, makes one feel special in some ways. And, and, and this is just not, not a situation for that. This is a true human atrocity here. So, so to answer your question, get educated. People ask me all the time, not all the time, but I've been asked many times, you know, what's the secret Jewish success? Because if you look at other minorities, they don't always fare as well as the Jewish people have, certainly in America, um, disproportionately represented in every area of advancement. Education, education, education. Jews are not smarter than your average Joe, but um, they graduate. 91% of Jews go to college. It isn't because we have bigger brains like the like the uh, haters would say. It's because you can't be a good Jew and be ignorant. You can't. Yeah. Judaism is an intellectual-based um, pathway. For instance, to have a bar mitzvah, you have to study. You have to be literate. Jews have always had disproportionate literacy rates. So we value education. And partially we value education because the truth matters. Facts mm -hmm. matter. And so get educated. Now, you'll say to me, how do I get educated? One of the simplest ways to do it is to go to Prager University, Prager U, P-R-A-G-E-R-U. Dennis Prager, like his politics or not, is irrelevant. Um, he's more of a conservative, but his videos are factual based. Five minute videos. Go to the five minute video section and type in Israel. You'll get a playlist. You'll get what is Hamas. You'll get the history of the Israeli conflict in five minutes. All of it gives you facts. And if you have the facts and if you still want to, you know, side with whomever at that point, fair game. But if mm -hmm. you're just picking sides like this is a college football game and we're going to take the underdog and wear their jersey, then we have a moral problem. Yeah. As you illustrated again in another bit of writing this week, seeing a, a young man come to school wearing, a, 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 I believe it was a Palestinian t-shirt or something you made a lot of sense right we are the, the u.s is a country that loves the underdog story the rocky story right 
This is not one of those. This is a humanitarian issue where people are dying. Babies are being slaughtered. Women are being left in the street mutilated. This isn't a damn game. And it's not that they hate Jews. They hate the West. And so this, mm. whoever's listening to this, you're probably an American or North American. They want us too. This is 9-11, right? This is mm -hmm. ISIS. Yes, mm -hmm. the Jews are the canary in the coal mine. But don't mm -hmm. think for a second that this is also isn't about America. And, mm -hmm. you know, we don't know who's come up through that open border. And we don't know when it's going to happen. But there is going to be another terrorist event. And if we don't believe that, we're naive. So we need to have the facts. We need to have our eyes open. We need to be able to name evil. You can't fight it if you can't name it. We also, Victor Frankel, this is the Meaning Academy podcast, there are only two races, the decent and the indecent. And what we need to do is get past the divides, Christian and Jew and Muslim and American and Israeli and Arab and blah, 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 blah. There are only two races, the decent and the indecent. And I know, Dan, that that's one of the impetuses behind the Meaning Academy is can we create a place where people who are decent come together to have decent conversations about meaning and purpose and resilience? Because that's the only way through this thing. And, and I remember as we were writing some of our chartering uh, points that we want to have political discord. We want to have conversation about difficult topics as long as we can do it and treat each other decently. And I believe that is what the world needs more of today. First, education. I, I completely agree. I, uh, I, I began my love affair with Dennis Prager through uh, the Peterson podcast on Exodus. His wisdom is just mind-boggling. Wonderful gentleman to listen to. Definitely go to PragerU.com, I believe, if you want yeah. to get educated on this. And as he said, there's no reason if not to, to. If you want a book, then read Alan Dershowitz, a you know notorious liberal, so he's not like some hawk. Um, the Case for Israel by Alan Dershowitz. He's got many books, um, but that's another very important starting point. And as you know, I want our listeners to know that it this is, does not mean you have to agree. We can't have meaningful debates. Um, people will say to me all the time, yeah, but I, I didn't agree with everything you said. Okay, hear me loud and clear on this. I don't agree with everything I say. So, you know, truth is nuanced. It is. I mean, we have, to, we have to have nuance within this conversation. But evil and good are not nuanced, Absolutely. right? There is such a thing as evil. And we have to be able to call it evil and not qualify it, not contextualize it. I will have the most meaningful dialogue with anybody around the Palestinian issues, but we can't have a meaningful dialogue when you turn around and tell me that there's any good reason for murdering 40 babies. There's any justification, which by the way, I had this this week. Somebody says to me online, um, the, the reason why this happened is because Israel did this, 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 this. And I said, before we get into the details of your points, can we both agree that there is no justification for murdering 40 babies? Well, and then he went into something else. There's no well, there's no comma, there's no but, there's no and. There's evil and there's good. Absolutely. And that's the one thing we have to we have to agree upon. And I think Victor, I know Victor Franco would stand by that and mm -hmm. also stand by 
If you're decent, then let's have the conversation. All right, and let's find the meaning within it. <sighs> B, my heart is with you uh, this week and always, my friend. I'm sorry to see you experience this and, and to watch your heart break. Um, and, and hopefully through this podcast and through reviewing this today, more people will go get educated. And, you know, you don't even have to be part of the debate. Just educate yourself to know what is going on in the world and to be, as you said, to be a decent human, to be a good human, to understand what's going on. And I would say, you know, for those listening, this is in some ways a one-off podcast because part of the mission and the mantra of the Jewish people and of Israel, I was living there in 2000 and somebody blew up the Sbarro pizza joint in Jerusalem and there was death and mayhem. And within 24 hours, it was repaired, it was cleaned up and it was back in business. And Westerners said, oh my God, how could that happen? Or for instance, we turn 9-11 into a memorial, which is perfectly appropriate. But the Israeli way deals with it so frequently that if everything was memorialized, it would just be one big memorial. So what they do is they repair the Sbarro pizzas and they get back to serving pizza and they get back to living as an act of defiance. The way you defy terror is, not, is by not being terrorized is by not remaining in fear. And so what we're gonna do at the Meaning Academy is we're going to get back to our regular scheduled programming of how to live with meaning, purpose, and resilience as an act of defiance to tell the terrorists they don't win. Absolutely, right after recording this podcast, B, I am going back into the library to continue to right curriculum and learning library uh, uh, slide decks for the upcoming Your Search for Meaning. So for those of you listening, if that's something you're interested in, we will begin in late January of 2024, Your Search for Meaning. You get to work with B and I and Dr. Elise. We're going to have a robust, ever-growing learning library around the psychology of meaning, logotherapy, existential analysis, Dr. Frankel, and all of those great uh, ideas that he started. Um, in fact, uh, if you're interested, um, I will be attending the World Congress of Logotherapy next week and uh, hopefully bringing back some good ideas from there. We shall see. It's some interesting people. I know I, uh, Alex Vesley, Dr. Frankel's grandson, will be speaking, as well as Dr. Paul Wong, eminent logotherapist out of Canada. Hey, do me a favor. The only thing I ask is that next week to symbolize that we're back in action, if you could stop wearing black and get back to your Fred Rogers sweaters, that would make me feel more. <laughs> you caught me. Uh, you caught me. I was trying to match you today and you got me, brother. So that would make that would bring me comfort. That would that would uh, comfort my broken heart. Well, I tell you, it's I am I'm definitely feeling the the effects of the changing weather here in the Midwest. It has gone from uh, beautiful uh, leaves changing to just gray, wet, and cold. So the sweaters are definitely going to be coming out. I will try to find my most garish, offensive, brightly colored sweater just for you, my friend. Thank you. God is good. All right, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and again, everybody, get out there, live your life with meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thank you. You've been listening to the Meaning Academy podcast with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you found meaning in what you've heard, please leave us a five-star review and be sure to share this with fellow meaning seekers. And don't forget to check us out at themeaningacademy.com, 
where you can learn how to join our weekly virtual and complimentary meaning masterminds. Until the next time, get out there and live your purpose and discover your meaning.